we uh, are going to continue our series today, and I'm very excited about it. So uh, before we do that, um, I'm going to be, bye, <laughs> um, but before we do that, I am going to be using our pew Bibles. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, you can look under your chair or whatever if you want to use a Bible, uh, then they're, I think they're there. I'll tell you the page number to turn to whenever we get there, uh, so that way you can just know the page number. But if you want to look at your Bibles, you can. We will still have the words up there on the screen. But we do have, I, I don't know, if you guys look under there and see if there's, I know we have a stack of them back there. It makes me wonder if they're under your chair, but anyhow, we'll look. We still have this place all twisted and turned around. Just, uh, if, you, if you haven't been here in a while and you're wondering why we're sitting like this, literally you're six feet apart for chairs. So that's the best way we could design our sanctuary to do that. And so um, that is there. All right. Well, um, this year, I just really felt like God has put some things in my heart to just do with our church, and I kind of have a personal word for myself that I just felt like the Lord, I don't always do this kind of a thing. I, I you know, I really enjoy um, kind of making goals and things like that, and, but I, I've never really just felt like God's put a word in my heart, but that word for this year for me is the word deeper, is I want to get deeper. And probably the reason why that's happened, it actually started way back in March when COVID stuff started kind of coming out, and we had all these different theories about things that were going on, all these different ways that, and, and you know what, to be honest with you, you, you start to look at some of the theories and you're like, wow, uh, some of these seemed crazy a few months ago, but they don't seem so crazy now, and you kind of wonder about what the truth is, and so for me, I felt like I wanted to know truth. And I just felt like the Lord was uh, really encouraging me to stay in my lane as well. How many of you guys know that, you know, I'm not going to talk to you about how to cure cancer if I'm not a doctor? It's probably not going to work, right? Uh, you're not going to come to me for advice. Even though I hear God, you're probably not going to come to me for advice on how to treat your cancer, right? But with me, I just felt like the Lord was like, stay in your lane. And I, I, it's hard to do that in these day and age, isn't it? It's hard to do that because you got so much stuff going on. You have all these different, uh, I mean, we're, we watch, if, if you just spend a lot of time watching news, which I, I really pray that you don't uh, because you start, I, I just don't know how much of it is accurate out there anymore, but I just, if you watch a lot of it, you're just kind of wondering what, what is this world coming to and what are all the things that are happening and, and I just feel like the Lord's like, just stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Now, Here's the thing with our lane, right? So we got the church lane. Everybody say church. All right, we got the church lane. Well, the church lane kind of splinters a lot, right? I mean, it goes in all kinds of different directions, especially anytime a major event happens in the world, we have a big, huge splinter because everybody's uh, got their eschatological views. You know, eschatology, it's just a big word for the end days and last days. And so uh, since I've been a kid, every major event that's happened, there's always somebody out there that can pull something out of a scripture that says this is what's happening. Jesus will be back here within seven days. And then you wait seven days later and you're still here on the earth and you're going, I guess that guy was wrong, right? So we had all these different things that we stir up in the church. And so sometimes staying in our lane can be very difficult because we got all these different ways of looking at things. So I just felt like God was saying, I want you to go deeper. And the church has really become very surface when it comes to God. 
You know what I mean by that? When I talk about being surface when it comes to the Lord, is they, they, we, we just kind of got the, the top portion of things, but we haven't gotten real down deep into the roots of things. And you can tell by the way, way people respond to the life's events that happen around them and to the world events that are happening around us. We can tell we haven't gotten deeper. As a matter of fact, I, there are some things that I just feel like the Lord sometimes has just really impressed on my heart, but I felt like God... I don't think people are going to enjoy coming to church anymore if I do this. Because if I really start to teach and say we're going to get a little deeper, it's kind of, oh, man. You know, and I feel like we're going to bore. But I believe we're at a season and a time when it's time for the church to get deeper. And so this year, I just, um, and, and let me say one other thing about this is I'm a part of a couple different groups and um, one of the groups I was a part of just began to share about the same thing that I'm sharing with you. They're pastor groups, and they were talking about um, changing the way that they preach and going deeper. And it just really, really resonated within me. So this year, I just, I just believe the Lord put a theme on our church for Acts 29. Now, if you look at Acts 29, Acts 29 uh, there is no Acts 29. Acts ends at 28. So what is Acts 29? How do we relate to Acts 29? Well, Acts 29 is your story and my story written out right now. And it's the question because Acts is a historical book. It's a book that was written about what all the uh, apostles did and the events that happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so at the end of that story, it's not the word amen is not listed at the end of that story because we are still in that place. We are still writing history. And do you know what? This earth, you know, back in, back in Acts, the earth at that time was the apostles' responsibility. Would you agree? I agree. The, the earth at that time was the apostles' responsibility. Well, the apostles are dead as far as the apostles during that time, not the ministry of the apostle, not the ministry of the prophet, but that ministry is now gone. The earth is now our responsibility. This is our place. Guys, I'm going to tell you as a church, if we look at the things that are going on in the earth right now, we've got to ask the question, God, where is my place to, to put your emphasis? Where is my place that you have called me to be so that I can be healing in the midst of a nation that's gone in rage? The last thing I'm going to do is point to somebody else in Washington and say this is their responsibility. I mean, they've got a place. I had somebody say, do you not trust the government? I'm like, dude, I've never met anybody that trusts the government. What did Ronald Reagan say? He said the, the, the worst words you can hear is, I'm the federal government and I'm here to help. I'm not anti-government. But there's a reason these people act foolish. But for us, I could spend a lot of time on that. I could focus a lot of time on that. And I'm not saying we ignore it at all. But I'm going to ask the question, God, what have you called me to do right here, right now? What is the place that I need to be in right now? There's some of you that God has put up 
And all of us are called to pray for America. But there's some of you that God has put things in your lap that you have seen, and God is going to use you to pray for America. God's going to use you to be in those positions. I believe God is raising up people that, that aren't even alive yet. They're going to run this country one day, and that God is going to raise up people to do things in the kingdom of God. But right now, in Perry, Oklahoma, at Perry Assembly of God, while we're sitting here, we need to ask the question, God, what is my responsibility? What is my place? And so as we go into this, and I feel like God is calling us to be deeper, for us to hear the voice of God, as we say this year is Acts 29, we're literally saying it's my time. This is my place to rise up and represent the kingdom of God right here on this earth and begin to teach and to do. And the Bible's Bible was gave us acts. Luke gave us acts so that we can see how what it looks like for us to take our place. And so we're going to go through the book of Acts. We're going to look at the book of Acts scripture by scripture. How long is this going to take? I have no clue. I can tell you this, we're going through two verses today. I don't know that it's always going to be that way, but I believe that uh, we're going to look at the book of Acts, we're going to get deeper, and we're going to start, I pray we get so deep that you look at it and it just rubs off on you. Right? I mean, how many of you would just love to read the Word of God and it just rubs off on me? I mean, when was the last time we looked at the Scripture and we saw somebody do something and it just said, man, I want to go and do that? I mean, it's like watching the movie Rocky. Right? You just want to go box. Am I right? Watch some of those football movies and sports movies and, you know, we're 50-year-old guys saying, I can still do it. So let's take a look, all right? So Acts uh, 29, we are Acts 29, all right? So let's look at Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. It will be up there on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles. Or if you want to grab Pew Bible, we'll grab Pew Bible. Acts chapter 1 is on page 905. Acts chapter 1. We're going to read the first four verses there. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1 says, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, as we're reading the scripture here, Paul, or, or Luke, and so let's understand some things real quick. Uh, actually, I say we understand some things. I want to read one more scripture. We're going to turn over to Luke, all right? So I will read these two scriptures together. Then we're going to talk about understanding some things. So Luke chapter 1, verse number 3. Page 849. It says, Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have decided to write an accurate account. Everybody say accurate. Account for you, most honorable Theophilus. 
So, Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. He writes, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Everybody say, do and teach. He was writing to him, saying everything that he was going to do and teach. So, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. I'm going to give you a little history on these two books. They were both written, obviously, by Luke. These two books, before the Bible was totally formed, and there was what they called the canon of Scripture, where the Scripture and, and all the Bible was put together, before they were formed, they used to have separate books that were out there. Luke and Acts were always carried together. There were two volumes, one book, and they were always carried together. So basically, Luke was a historian that looked at the life of Jesus, wrote about the life of Jesus, and that he was with the apostles, and he wrote about all the things that happened with the apostles. And so he put these two books together as a guide for the church so that we could know the truth. As a matter of fact, he told Theophilus. Now, I was reading this, and, you know, a lot of times I don't pay attention to names, uh, uh, sometimes. I mean, I'm just like, okay, who is Theophilus? Well, you, you know, anybody ever read about Theophilus in other places in the Bible? No, you haven't because he's not written about it. These are the only two places that he's mentioned. Theophilus really, as far as anything significant that happened in the Bible, he's not mentioned again. And so as I was, and I knew that. And so as I was studying this and I was kind of looking through things, I just kind of felt this itch from the Holy Spirit maybe or just an itch on the inside. Who was Theophilus? And then I thought, well, I'm not going to know who Theophilus is because there's nothing else written about him. I mean, what's the big deal about Theophilus? But I just kind of kept thinking about it, right? I kind of kept going back into it. So I was kind of like, huh, what, who is Theophilus? So I went and I looked at some of the footnotes and some of the study Bibles I had. And then I looked at some of the other stuff. And I really became kind of fascinated with this Theophilus. So Luke addressed both these books. Luke is addressed to Theophilus. Acts is addressed to Theophilus. So I thought, well, maybe he was a disciple of Luke. Maybe he was somebody that Luke was teaching. That was kind of the obvious reason for me. And I'm still kind of there. Now, there's some people that I found. Now, this is what was kind of crazy for me. There's some people that I found that Theophilus there are scholars out there that believe that Theophilus actually wasn't necessarily a person. And I kind of thought, well, that's weird. Theophilus, they believe, actually represented a group of people. How many of you guys know when the Bible's written? The Bible is written not just to one person. It's really meant to be written to you and to me. And so... Really, we could look at it and say, this really is written to a group of people, whether that's accurate or not. But what does Theophilus mean? Theophilus, the name Theophilus, actually means lover of God. The name Theophilus absolutely means lover of God. So when Paul is writing this book and he addresses it, he is addressing it to the lovers of God. So as I read the book of Acts, I've literally been given this book 
as a lover of God. It is a treasure that has been given to me. And it's a treasure that has been given to me as saying, if you are a lover of God, these are the things you can look forward to. These are the things that you can study. These are the things that you can see. These are the things that you can duplicate. These are testimonies of God and how he moved in the lives of people. You know, today as I was coming up on the platform, there's a story we find in Acts chapter 4 that we'll get to eventually. But that story is a story about uh, uh about Peter and and John when they were preaching and how they were persecuted. And the Bible says that when they found themselves being persecuted, that they all gathered together and they began to pray. And they didn't say, Father, let the persecution stop. They, They just prayed, God, let your kingdom move forward. And the Bible says that when they were gathered together, that the place was shaken. And they left that place and saw many signs and wonders and many people were healed kind of reminded me about where we're at today. Kind of reminded me about the state of our country and and how the world views people who are lovers of God. I thought, you know, as we gather together, as we truly begin to live up to that name that God puts on us and says these are lovers of God, what is that going to look like? What is that going to say to us? It's hard to understand the works of God without being a lover of God. Can I say that again? It's hard to be understand the works of God without being a lover of God. There are things that happen in the books of Acts that if they happened today, people would call it weird. God called it normal. Normal occurrences that happened all the time. But when you're a lover of God, you look at that and you see, oh God, how beautiful are your works. How beautiful you are when you've seen him move in this earth and and I keep thinking about that signs and wonders when 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 signs and wonders were done through people it, it was a representative of the kingdom of God I wonder if the church as a whole began to experience signs and wonders like they did in the book of Acts what would happen to the state of America what would happen in Perry Oklahoma I really don't know, but I'd like to find out. It all begins with being a lover of God. Luke wanted Theophilus to have an article that was true. In Luke chapter 1, we find that when he wrote to Theophilus, he said, I have decided to write an accurate account for you. Most honorable Theophilus. He wanted Theophilus in Luke to say that this was truth, and we know that this was truth. Luke and Acts were books written to share everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus taught. As, as, as they write there, it says, this is everything Jesus did, and this is everything that Jesus taught. He memorialized Jesus, and he memorialized 
the church and the, the apostles during that time. When you come to a service and it's a funeral service, what are we going to do? We're going to memorialize the person that passed away. And we're going to ask ourselves the questions. Who were they and what did they do? Right? I mean, that's what we do. We're going to ask, who were they? What did they do? And we're going to celebrate those things. You know, there's some things we got to skip. Some funerals. But Jesus, when, when, when Luke wrote that, he said, I want you to know everything Jesus did, and I want you to know everything that happened, and I want you to know everything that Jesus taught. It's so that you can know what? You can know the truth. When we read that, we can have the, have the promise of saying, listen, this is truth. And why am I getting so excited about truth? Because the Bible says it is the truth that sets you free. That's why you can't watch news and find freedom. I'll just leave that in. When we read Acts, we see how Jesus' disciples, or how the disciples responded to what Jesus taught them. So everywhere I read in the book of Acts, I see the response of what the disciples did. How did they take what Jesus gave them? How did they respond to what Jesus gave them? What is it in their life? And what are the things? And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always that they had it right. It wasn't that they always had it perfect. I mean, Peter and his, his, his thoughts sometimes catch up to him so much in the book of Acts. So that's Acts 1.1. Acts 1.2, it says, Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you a truth here. Everybody say truth. This is an important truth. We're going to find several of these. Anytime I have that word truth there, it, it, it is, it's a value that we have. And it's an important value that we have. So the truth is, is Jesus ascended to heaven. That is the truth. Everybody say truth. Jesus ascended to heaven. Why is that so important? Jesus told his disciples that he had to go. And so he told them, he said, I am going to leave. John 16, 7 says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Who is the advocate? That is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said this, that I have to go away. I am going to leave this place. And when I leave this place, there will be the Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? Because when Jesus was on the earth, he was limited in, in or the people of God were limited in how God could work through them. And so it was within, it was like almost Jesus had a range that was there. And when he sent the disciples out, he could send those disciples out. But Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. But it was always God's desire for all of us to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because when we are full of the Holy Spirit, then we can do what Jesus did. That's good. Man, if Jesus walked the earth today, I had somebody say, man, I'd just love to see it when Jesus walked the earth today. I told him, I said, well, they had dirty feet back then. I don't like dirty feet. I don't know if I'd want to do that. That was funny. 
foot washing was a totally different realm back then. But you know what? We are Jesus today. And the church has got to wake up to that. I'll, I'll tell you right now, we're more deaf to that reality than it is that we have it on the inside of our heart. We are Jesus today on this earth. Because he ascended. And he sent, the Bible says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us. That's why we got to take responsibility for this earth. Genesis 1.26 says that God gave us this earth so that we could rule and reign on this earth. We have an advocate with the Holy Spirit that was inside of us. We have the Holy Ghost inside of us because Jesus has ascended. Everybody say ascended. Luke chapter 24, verse 50, it says, Then Jesus led them to Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven, and he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Everybody say, taken up. That's what the word ascended means. So they worshipped him, and he returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple, praising God. So when Jesus was done and he had, he had resurrected from the dead, the Bible says that he spent days with them and he would interact with them and he would teach them about the things of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that there was a day that he took them to Bethany and then he blessed them and left them and ascended to heaven. When Jesus ascended to heaven, though, what happened? Something pretty significant happened. Something that we need to know. If Jesus ascended, then what happened? Hebrews writes this. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. It says, for Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands. How many of you guys remember the holy place? Anybody remember the holy place? So we're going to say amen and, 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 and raise our hands in church today, okay? We're a hand-raising church, All right? We're not a sit on the... Hand, all right? So you guys need to practice. Maybe you know you'll swing and going on and eventually get it up there. But So the holy place. Well, we find the holy place in the Old Testament all the time. The holy place, that was a good place. But very few were invited into that place. But it was made on the earth. We can look at the Old Testament and we can see the directions because there were several places where God gave different people directions for building a holy place. It was the place where they worshiped. It's the place where the sacrifices were made. It's the place where the atonement was done all the time. Where did we get that holy place? Where did the idea come from? Hmm. The holy place was made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. I don't, man, this, this just gets me. You know why this gets me? 
Because here is God. When I begin to look at God's interaction with the earth, and I see these things from heaven to earth begin to happen, I get goosebumps with those things. Because it wasn't that just God separated the two. God's desire has always been for the two to work together and to merge and to be one. So heaven could look like earth. And earth to look like heaven. And so God said, I'm going to put this temple. And, and, and so imagine we're going to download to, to Moses and to Abraham and these different people about how to build these temples. And when we build these temples, it is going to look just like the one we have in heaven. I guess I geek out about that, but I think that's pretty cool. And the Bible says, so verse 25, it says, He did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year by the blood of the animal. It had not, it had, if that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death and sacrifice. What happened when Jesus ascended? The Bible says he went into heaven and he went into the holy of holies in heaven as the perfect sacrificial lamb and he gave his blood once and for all. So when Luke says he ascended, there's something to get excited about. There's something to shout about. There's something to be put our hope in, that Jesus paid the price for all of us. He presented his blood once and for all. He's not going over and over again and again and again. He presented it one time, and he presented it in a place of victory. Well, what happened to Jesus after he did that? It gets even better. Jesus was seated. Ephesians 2, 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. When Luke wrote to Theophilus, the lover of God, and he said he has ascended, and he said, I say this in truth. We witnessed him go. What he was telling Theophilus is, Theophilus, your sin has been paid for once and for all. Your debt has been paid. It is no longer required for you to go and make sacrifices. You don't have to go find the perfect lamb anymore. The perfect lamb came. And once and for all, it has all been paid for. And Theophilus, guess what? Jesus is seated in heavenly places. It's being seated means it is a place of authority. When he says he is seated, you see, before Jesus ever came, he, he lost his position. He relinquished his position. The Bible says he stripped himself. And he came. But when he came, he came back with victory and he presented that blood and was seated. And then what did he say? Because Jesus was seated, you are seated. I got goosebumps. We are seated with him. So let me tell you some final thoughts here. 
When I say final thoughts, that means we're about to be done. Isn't that great? That means the fried chicken's almost done, right? So here's the final thoughts. Theophilus, Jesus paid it all. He's seated. You are seated. So from now on, we don't operate the same way we've been operating. We don't function the same way we've been functioning anymore. It's time to repent. Change the way you think. And do something different. Now, Theophilus, if you're seated, like the Bible says, we are seated next to him. Well, I'm seated in the church. Well, you have a heavenly seat as well right now. Not when you die, now. So you change what you do. You operate from a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly perspective. Now when I see a riot going on, I got a different perspective. Now when I see travesty going on, I got a different perspective. I got a perspective of authority that when I see that stuff happening on TV, I don't look at it and say, woe is me. I look at it and say, I bind that in the name of Jesus and all the power that's coming behind that in the name of Jesus. Why? Because I've got a position of authority in place in that. When I see my children run around, I begin to take authority over things and I step in a different direction than what it was. I don't say, oh, Father, can you do something? He's looking at you saying, you do something. That authority has been given to you. Amen. Well, that's Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. God is so good. He's so deep. He's so deep. When we realize that God has given us all the knowledge that's here on this earth, it's incredible to see how deep and how awesome God is. The question is this, is will you take your position? You could leave this place, and by the time you hit that front door, you know, statistics say by the time you hit the front door that 90% of you will have lost the message before you leave. I know that when I write sermons. It's always great. But I'm telling you, if you grab a hold of this and you take your position, you take your place, we'll see acts come alive. We'll see God do some incredible works. Church, will you rise? Will you be the lover of God? Will you be the one that says, listen, I will be that person that will love God that will dedicate my life to him, that I will say, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Father, I give myself to you. I will pray. I will, I will spend time with you, and I will, I will look in your word, and I will engage in your word, and I will look for things that you are doing in the spirit, and I will ask you, Father, to open my eyes up to my heavenly position, my heavenly home. And I will lead from that place. I feel like the Lord is saying this. He's got places for you to go that will blow your imagination away if you'll only allow him to take you there.
open our eyes up and let him come. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Father, I love you. I thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Lord, I dedicate myself to love you. Father, the measure of success in my life isn't about how much I can put in a bank account, how big of a house I can have, how nice of a car I can drive. even how good looking my kids are. Father, the measure of the success in my life is did I love you? Father, the Bible says you are for us, not against us. Lord, right now we step into our heavenly place. Father, I thank you for our eyes to be opened up to what that looks like. Help us to see that position in that place. Lord, we honor you today. Just fill my heart. Some of you need to take some moments and some time right now to say, I dedicate myself to you. Say, Father, I, I give myself to you. I'm over to you right now. Say, I choose to be a lover of God. I choose to follow you. I choose today to give you my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're in this place and you say, you know what, I need a relationship with God, period. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man may come to the Father except through him. And today I need to acknowledge that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he sacrificed everything and he put his blood on that throne for me. And I need to acknowledge that today. If you're in this place, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and say, yeah, that's me. I need to choose to do that. Choose to follow him. One, two, three. Would you slip your hand in the air? Everybody that's watching today on pen, on wherever you're watching, you can pray this with us. But let's all pray together. Say, say, Father, today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for me, and you raised him from the dead. He presented his blood into the holy of holies, And I am forgiven. And I'm seated with him in Christ's name. Amen.
Father, I pray for this congregation that as we take this time to leave in just a moment, that their eyes of their understanding would be open. And Father, that they would comprehend how wide and how deep and how long is the love of God. Lord, that they would, their ears would not be deaf to your voice, but your voice would be alive in them. That their hearts would walk with humility and receive everything that you've given them. And I thank you, Father, that when we read the word of God, that it will not just be words on a page, but it would come alive to us. And that when we pray, that we would long, Father, for your presence. We would look for your presence. Lord, we honor you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before you leave today, we are going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings and just want to continue to say thank you for giving in your tithes and offerings. There is, uh, um, if you guys haven't known, we've actually changed um, our online giving. And so there is a phone four-digit number that you can type in and you can actually give through online if you want to do that through text or you could go on Perry Assembly of God and give that way or you can just give through you know cash and check whatever the case might be here at the church but uh, all different kinds of ways that we've learned COVID has brought us uh, uh, to have some new ways of doing things so we're not touching things but but um, anyway so I actually really enjoy the new system we got set up uh, I pay my tithe. We pay our tithe pretty much as soon as we get paid anymore, and so uh, it's pretty cool. So if you guys want to do that, we just appreciate you guys being faithful in that. And I do know this, as you are faithful, God is so faithful, and he takes care of every need that we have, and that is so true. Amen. So if you do want to give today in your tithes and offerings, you have check or cash. We have baskets that are placed here, some that are placed back that you can do that as you go, or you could do the uh, text to give or go on the website, give. Um, and I think I've covered it all. So, all right. First couple chapters of, or couple verses of Acts are down. Uh, I'm not saying that it's going to be this slow all the time, all right? But I just believe God's taking us somewhere, all right? That's going to be good. So bless you guys. Don't forget today, 4 o'clock, we have prayer right here. Man, it's been so good. So I encourage you guys to be here this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and uh, it's going to be good. So Lord bless you all. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you back here next week.